Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. This is This Day Rocks from Vintage Rock Pod. I'm Paul Stevenson. Today is June the 1st and we start on this day in 1974 when British music magazine The NME published a list of the 100 greatest albums of all time. At number 3 was The Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, 2 was Blonde on Blonde by Bob Dylan and at number 1 The Beatles' Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And to be honest, those same selections are always there or thereabouts even on today's polls of the greatest albums of all time, aren't they? And on the older magazine theme, on this day in 1981, the very first issue of Kerrang! was published. The first cover stars were ACDC. Elsewhere, on this day in 2008, a fire at Universal Studios in Hollywood destroyed thousands of master tapes controlled by Universal Music Group. Master recordings by Joni Mitchell, Elton John, Nirvana, B.B. King and Neil Diamond were among those that were lost. On this day in 1985, Bruce Springsteen kicked off the European leg of his Born in the USA tour with a show at the famous Slane Castle in Dublin. On this day in 1968, Simon and Garfunkel's classic Mrs. Robinson went to number one on the Hot 100 in America, the song famously written for the movie The Graduate, of course, starring Anne Bancroft. And today we have to say a happy 76th birthday to guitar legend Mr. Ronald David Wood. The London-born rocker was part of the Jeff Beck group, playing on albums like Truth and Beckola, before teaming up with Rod Stewart and Kenny Jones, Ian McLagan and Ronnie Lane to form The Faces in 1969. After that, he famously joined the Rolling Stones and has been with them pretty much ever since. Happy birthday, Ronnie. But for today's main show, then, we're going to remember a groundbreaking debut album. Yes, on this day in 1976, billed as the first all-female hard rock band, The Runaways released their self-titled debut album. The group, consisting of Joan Jett, Cherie Curry, Lita Ford, Jackie Fox and Sandy West, blazed a trail musically, and their best-known song, Cherry Bomb, appeared on this record as well. But despite this, the album itself didn't do commercially very well, only peaking at 194 in the US, but it made the girls superstars in Japan, where the album went to number one. 
Now, I interviewed former Runaways bass player Jackie Fox on episode 60 of Vintage Rock Pod, and she told some incredible stories of her time in the group, the dynamics between the girls, the harrowing story of being raped by their manager, terrible stuff. But I'm going to play a short clip of Jackie talking about the fame that they found in Japan following this debut album release. Just about your time in Japan, it was your Beatlemania kind of uh, sensation, wasn't it, when you were over there with the the girls? Oh, yeah. That was the one time that I really got to experience what it feels like to be a rock star because we were followed everywhere. And in fact, we we were supposed to be doing a record store appearance and they had us in uh, this big car. They didn't really have limos Mm -hmm. there. They just had big American cars. So we're in this big American car pulling into the alley behind a record store. And the alley is completely filled with fans to where we can only inch forward a little bit at a time. And most of the time are stuck because you don't want to run one of these fans over. And it got very stuff, it got very stuffy in the car. Somebody cracked the window and an envelope flew in and, and it hit one of the girls in the face. And, and she picked it up and looked at it and it was addressed to me. I think it was Cherie that it hit. I might, might be wrong about this, but whoever it hit opened it first and decided to start reading. And it was this guy who wrote a number of very romantic, but sweet letters to me that went on for like eight pages. <laughs> so it was a whole drama and they just passed it back and forth, reading this out loud as we tried to inch our way through the alley with fans plastered on the windows and on the top of the car, you know, moving along with us. And finally, they just went, we cannot get you in there safely. And we kept inching forward and finally got out of the alley, turned a corner. They hustled us out of the car into a building. It was like the basement of a building (laughs) where we walked through because all the the buildings were connected. So we're down in a basement that we've crawled down into. It's, It's connected through, you know, underneath the building, there are these warrens. We go through them. We come up. We're in a kitchen. I don't know why we were in a kitchen, but we're in the middle of a kitchen, like for some restaurant. Sounds like a movie chase. (laughs) We go, yeah, it felt like it. We can go marching through there. And finally, we emerge up into a giant department store. And we were able to walk out the front, hail a taxi, and get back to the hotel where there were yet more fans waiting. It it was crazy. I was going to say, that sounds scary as well, as much as anything. It was scary, but it was more at the time when they get you out of the car and you're not at, you know, don't think you're at risk of suffocating anymore. And now you're running through and yeah, it's like a spy movie and you're just too stupefied by everything that's going on. And like, oh, we're in a kitchen. Oh, now we're in a department store and you're just getting, you don't have time to think about it because you're getting hustled through and it's kind of becomes fun. And I'll be back tomorrow with more on this day, rock goodness. So until then, take care. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. 
From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.